But, uh, you know, again, just I'm happy for Laker Nation. Uh, I'm happy for just the game of basketball at large. You know, it. there's a lot to be said about, you know, LeBron James getting another ring and what it means for his legacy. And I know that we'll probably be talking about that soon, but there's nothing wrong with the greatest players. I said players, plural, right? So that includes LeBron James. Nothing wrong with, you know, the greatest of all time players that we've had in the NBA adding to the, you know, to their mystique. And I, I'm just, I'm happy for basketball in general there. Yeah, man. So, so Josh, I, I'm going to let you go ahead, man. The floor is yours. You're a Lakers fan. I know you're probably still coming off the high of, you know, winning the championship. So the floor is yours. Say, you know, praise your Lakers, praise LA, pra- praise everybody. Yeah, man. So, it's just like good to uh, win a championship. I do want to concede this argument, though. I do understand that a majority of Laker fans are pretty insufferable. I get it. I get it. It's hard. It's hard what, to. What uh, you mean? It's hard to. Uh, it's hard to root for a team when, because the best way to describe Lakers fans is it's like World War. It's like Russian World War II. Um, it's you just got so many bodies, right? And it might not be well-equipped, if that makes any sense. Not every Laker fan is well-equipped with the proper takes and everything, but they're passionate. So I understand why there's the hate. Um, I'm just super I'm just super glad that to get a, the 17 championship tied Boston Celtics. Uh, for Lakers fans, especially people that understand the late, great Dr. Jerry Buss, who basically built the Lakers um, from scratch, he... What his one goal was, his one headline was, he wants to see one day where it says... Uh, Bus surpasses Celtics. That's that's just like his one goal. So to the fact that his daughter was able to carry the legacy, the first female owner to get it, it's just amazing. And it's just funny because um, it's hard to like. I never want to say, oh, it's been so long because a Lakers been so long is the equivalent. Like for we're complaining that we haven't won a championship in so long, and there's some teams that are like, dude, we haven't even made the playoffs in the time that you guys are complaining. So. I, I totally understand that, but from a Lakers perspective, it's great. Um, we, we're we just super excited, especially, too, because of how, like, this team probably wasn't as talented as, like, if you're talking about the entire roster, as not as talented as some of the other Lakers championships teams. This was a lot more top-heavy with AD and LeBron. But when you look at the guys that, like, for example, Dwight Howard, he, he was an outcast in L.A., like, you couldn't like no one could talk about Dwight Howard without spitting on his name. Like this guy was supposed to be like there was some people who wrongly pointed like Kobe Bryant would have not had to play 48 minutes for the stretch that he did and probably would have never tore his Achilles if Howard would have been able to play better. But that's a wrong take because he was having that back injury. But that's what I'm saying. Like there were people who vilified him. Like LeBron, there were some people who I don't believe these were Laker fans. I believe maybe they were just you know, Kobe fans, like, they graffitied his mural. And to see all this, like, Rajon Rondo, too, like, people wanted him off the roster. KCP, like, all these guys. So, it, it like, to see all those guys and then just come in, obviously, I'm talking from a fan perspective, but it, it's just great to, it's, just, it's always great to win a championship. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, most definitely, bro. That's that's definitely not arguable is, you know, no matter the circumstance or anything like that, especially I know this one is rough to win a championship in this in this year because they're trying to you know people are trying to put an asterisk on it because you know of COVID and they had a break. But my biggest thing from that is everybody went through the same thing as far as they had the same break, the same amount of time to get prepared, or same amount of time that they were away from the game. So to kind of take away from anybody who won the championship, 
I felt like it was more going to be anybody but LeBron could win the championship. And they would glorify mm-hmm. the champion, Giannis, Kawhi. You know, let Kawhi and the Clippers have won the championship. You know, Kawhi would have been the king of L.A. You know, there would have been a lot more LeBron slander as far as, you know, he's not the best player in the world. Kawhi would have won back-to-back championships with two different teams and ultimately would have competed the feat that LeBron did, just completed, which was win a championship with three different teams and be the finals MVP on all three different teams. He would have been, you know, the first first player, maybe second player. Y'all, y'all might can quote me different, but I think LeBron's the first player to win finals with three different teams and be the finals MVP. So him and Kawhi That's were correct. shooting for okay. So him and Kawhi were shooting for that same feat, and so that's why I just have the problem with the asterisk. Is I don't care who won. It could have not been LeBron, but it was like it would have been more glorified and less taken away from if anybody but LeBron won. And that's just in my personal opinion. Is like the true LeBron haters, and I'm talking about the guys who literally live to hate LeBron, like absolutely hate mm-hmm. him. Would have just killed his name even more if he would have not come out a champion and it would have been Kawhi or Giannis because that would have been deemed the new king of the NBA, the new best player. And that's what everybody's looking for because LeBron has reigned as the best player in the league for so long. Like, you know, if, if we consider the torch being passed, it went from Jordan to Kobe to LeBron. And like, yeah, there's other MVPs within that window, but that's kind of how the torch got passed. It went from Jordan to Kobe. And then from Kobe to LeBron, and whether there was an official torch where Kobe deemed him the next best player in the league, it just happened. Like, you know, we, we just say the torch has been passed, but LeBron had took over the league. And I think that's another reason why there's so much LeBron hate. And especially in this championship, it's like, well, he has another top five guy. And I understand that, but like Kawhi has Paul George. Harden had Westbrook. You know, Dame and CJ McCollum, like, yeah, they're not LeBron and AD. I fully understand that, but... It's, it's a duo league now. We just kind of phased away from the big three, and we're in the duo league. And, and so now they just had the best duo, and ultimately the Clippers had the best roster. But to me, it came down to duos, and the Lakers had the better duo. And, and there's nothing more tough to stop than LeBron on a mission. And LeBron was on a mission. He made a promise that he was going to bring a championship to L.A. You know, he wanted to be a part of the greatness that's happened in L.A. You know, he wanted to be considered up there with your Kareem and Magic and Kobe you know, and all those other guys, Jerry West, the logo. So LeBron ultimately accomplished what he was looking for. And so I just want to get away from the asterisk next to this championship because if it was Miami, they would have been glorified. And I'm a big-time Heat fan, but outsiders would have glorified the Heat as champions. They earned it. They deserved it. And now that LeBron wins the championship, it's, he avoided a team that blew a 3-1 lead and things like that. So, Steven, am I, am I wrong for kind of the narrative that people are starting to create for this championship? Yeah, well, I'm going to start off by saying LeBron is always going to be a damned if you do, damned if you don't type of guy in the eyes of some. Like they're, like you mentioned early on in, in your take there, Mo, they're, they're going to be people who just live to take away credit from him. And unfortunately for folks like, you know, I would include myself in this that I just say I take a – you know, a sobering look at it, you know, is LeBron James, has LeBron James been the best player in the NBA over the last, you know, decade, decade and a half? Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned that there were other MVPs, but who has won the most MVPs during that stretch? LeBron James, right? So who has been to the most finals? LeBron James, you know, who's even won the most finals amongst all those other players, right? LeBron James. So 
even though there's been other people who have enjoyed success, a lot of people like to ding like, yeah, nobody ate when MJ was in the league. And now, er you know, everybody's eating with LeBron. Well, no, like there's only been like five teams over the past decade that have won a ring. They've either had the one of the best coaches of all time with Spurs and Greg Popovich, right? They've either had, they had to had the best uh, roster ever assembled in the NBA and the Golden State Warriors, or they've had to have, you know, the, one of the best, if not the best player in the entire NBA and LeBron James, right? So it's not like everybody has eaten. It has taken extreme and extraordinary circumstances over the past 10, 15 seasons to even enjoy, you know, having an NBA championship, right? So Again, going back to, you know, is LeBron James going to receive? Absolutely. You know, even MJ, right? Like there were newspapers, obviously, and things like that when MJ was in circulation in the league, right? But he didn't have to endure the social media era. I'm sure that there would be just as much, if not more hate. Could you imagine if the people who grew up watching Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell, like had to endure watching Michael Jordan in the social media era, like as it was taking off, like it would be the exact same thing. Like the generation before is always going to ding the generation that's current because it's different. And it's not the guy that they're accustomed to seeing, you know, it's, it's counter to what they've always witnessed. Right. So LeBron is, is always going to be in a damned if you do damned if you don't situation, no matter what happens, it could have been a perfectly fine NBA season and someone would have found a way to discredit it. Right. So Moving past that, though, and if you, you can't take those opinions, you know, with a lot of heart, right? You have to look past it. You have to say, okay, are they looking at it analytically? If you answer no, then it's really not worth, you know, your time and effort to put a whole lot of, you know, consideration into, in my opinion. You know, I just want to piggyback. You brought up uh, the social media aspect. We actually got to look into that. If you guys, we all watched The Last Dance, right? They yeah. distinctly bring out how MJ one reason that he retired and they made like a big whole whole deal where it was like oh we didn't appreciate michael jordan enough like that's why he ran the baseballs like this greatness we started questioning him you know and we and then we see that every day with uh lebron but i agree with you i think it's gotten to the point because for a little backstory on me i was a diehard lakers fan so you know lebron was like this conqueror of the east you know it's like who, who is this kid from akron and then he goes to miami and you know, obviously you don't like, you don't like the guy because he, he's an enemy. This is before I started, you know, being a journalist and all that, just as a, as a fan, a biased fan, but right. over the encompass of his entire career, I don't think that there's been an athlete in like any sport, the, the type of longevity, not just to be a top tier player, but you can, you can make the argument that almost every single year that LeBron's been in the league, if you omit maybe like the first five, you know, he LeBron, you could make a case that LeBron was the best player in his sport every single year. Even now, as a 37 year old, it's a, or, a, or about 35 year old. 35, yeah. 17 season. Yeah, 17 season. It's just, I don't know, man. It's just at that point, it's just greatness. I, I don't know. You, LeBron and Jordan, the argument is just, it's, it's, it's just people are so entrenched that they're just not going to see the other side. But my last thing about the whole LeBron. Thing is if you he's going to be playing longer than Jordan at some point it's almost every single record LeBron's going to have his name on or he's going to be on top of so at that point if you go from stat wise to compare it LeBron will surpass Jordan everything so then you just have to look at it as a player 
And then at that point, then it starts almost going into style. And then, and then at that point, it just goes into opinion. And then that's how you kind of get the, the dug into your territory, you know? Yeah. And I heard something on first take or on, yeah, on first take this morning, right. Where, um, you know, never say never type thing. Like you have to, even for the most diehard sports analysts, it's not just fans, right. It's analysts in general who like covered the game for so long, even when you're covering the game and you just throw a custom to one guy being the guy that you write headlines about. And then all of a sudden this other guy, he's going to make your job more difficult because, Oh, I can't just spit off the same numbers and the same things that I've done for the past ever so often. Now I actually have to go and like do some research and studying and actually do uh, an unbiased compare and contrast, you know, Kendrick Perkins, I know he's not my favorite analyst in the NBA, but today he kind he kind of did a good job. You know, you can't never say never because if you're not even going to take a look at a guy for a case that he could possibly be, the greatest of all time, then what are you doing? You're not doing your job as an analyst. If you can't, you know, take a minute, say, all right, mm-hmm. let me put my pride and my personal preference to the side and do a side-by-side comparison. Now, me personally, I would still currently have MJ ahead of LeBron James and Stephen A. Smith did a good job this morning. He said, you know, heaven forbid, I- I'm such a hater. I have LeBron James as the second best player of all time, like 99.8% percentile of anyone to ever lace them up and play basketball I have him second right so uh, it's not hate you know that's actually a lot of love but I understand now when someone will tell me that LeBron James is their goat right or they view him that way like I am not going to argue that because there is a legitimate case for it you know so like I think you have to be able to listen first right research second and then thirdly come up with an informed and intelligent decision on on a subject that really doesn't hold a lot of weight in the grand scheme of things anyway but it's just fun to talk about right so right i mean yeah that's basically you know we basically covered half of what we wanted to get into and that's just that's the significance of lebron being on a championship team is like it's everything centers around lebron and in every time he wins it's he's closer to the goat conversation for people who are Jordan prefer Jordan and have him one and have LeBron two is like each ring each accomplishment he's only getting closer like it comes to the point where my personal opinion I think LeBron is the GOAT but even if I was to tell people who think Jordan is the GOAT is like it's gonna come to a point the way LeBron is playing he doesn't look like he's gonna slow down he looked like he has at least two more dominant years where like if he, if he drops off, he's still going to be a top five player. That's what it looks like barring any, you know, significant injury. But it looks like he still has at least two more years of at least being a top five player. And, and the way he's trending downward, I would say maybe his third year, he's only a top 10 player, which is still going to be at year 20, you're considered a top 10 player. And that's if he trends downward at all. You know, physically, he's not the same that he was at 25, but nobody is 10 years. You know, nobody's physically what they are. 10 years ago, but ultimately it's, it's a mind thing with him. And like, you've seen Jordan do it. You've seen Kobe do it. It's like, as I'm getting older, how can I stay on, t- on the top of my game? What is it? What adjustments can I make and not depend on my athleticism? Because there was a point in time, Jordan was the most athletic player to ever touch a basketball. Like with, with skill and athleticism, it was Jordan. And then Kobe kind of mirrored Jordan's game and had the same thing. And he had to make adjustments, you know, he had to become more of a, a mid-range jump shooter and kind of depend on his IQ and intelligence 
to ultimately maintain his greatness. And that's exactly what we've seen LeBron do in year 17 um, with the switch over, like, permanently to point guard. We know he's been a point guard, but, like, the permanent switch to point guard kind of shows, like, this is where he can find his niche to continue his greatness. So, you know, we've talked a lot about LeBron's greatness, and I really think we've covered LeBron where we feel like LeBron's legacy is after this championship. So, Josh, I'm going to start with you on his counterpart. What does this do for Anthony Davis's legacy? Oh, for AD, I think that um, so we'll do two things. Short term, it really uh, um, improves his standing and everything of where you you rank him as a player now because AD, it's not like he took a huge leap from what he is right now to what he was on the Pelicans, if that makes any sense. It's just he has the opportunity mm-hmm. to shine on a much, much bigger stage. Right. Um, right. What he's going to do long term is an issue is as um, I'm not sure when it's going to be like five, 10 years, maybe, but I discussed this with you on my show. People are going to say things like, well, people who didn't watch the game firsthand and just watch it afterwards, you know, um, a backseat, you know, hindsight kind of thing. They're going to be like, well, was he really ever that good? Because, you know, he was the second best player on a championship team, kind of like what Kobe had to go through with the first three championships with Shaq. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. It's starting to look like, you know, the Lakers, they might make another run. I don't know if they're going to go in the championship next year or the year after, but if they do, hypothetically speaking, there's a very likely chance that LeBron James will probably win another finals MVP if they do win a championship. So imagine if you did, you know, AD at the time, two rings, zero finals MVP. Now Steph Curry, at least, he led a team by himself during a regular season. And, you know, when they say no, no finals MVP, you know, he's regular season MVP. To me, AD is an amazing generational talent. I think that he's basically just, you know, basketball Godzilla is the best way to describe him. He's like a wing in a big man's body. Like the way he plays too, um, like he can punish you inside, but he chooses not to. He chooses to like take you out and like just kill you from the mid range. To me, I think this was really good for AD because even as a Laker fan, like you just notice things like AD is a little bit like camera awkward, if that makes any sense. He's not as charismatic or articulate, but I'm starting to see him pop up in all those LA commercials, you know? And then even too, at the very end of the championship, um, when they won, LeBron was telling AD, like, go go grab the mic, go say this, go talk that. And you could tell he was just kind of like, eh, but he was breaking out of it. I think that this is really good for him. I think hopefully we'll see a more animated side of AD personality-wise. He seems a lot happier too, because he seems where he wants to be, he's playing how he wants to play. And just winning, winning solves a lot of things. I think this is short-term, really great for AD's career. Long-term, I just um, those finals MVP is going to cause people to knock him down, which I 100% don't agree with. I think AD is great. I'm just saying that's just how I always see things when you have two great talents on one team and only one finals MVP trophy, which that's not how it should be at all, but that's just how people think. So, Right. Steven? Yeah, so uh, a lot of great points, Josh. I, I you know, I spoke on my show a little bit about what this ring does for an 80s legacy. And first off, we just got to remind ourselves that the, he's still 27 years old, like just entering like his actual basketball prime, which is scary. I'm not at, and again, this is not me being a hater. This is me just being critical, right? And I'm biased. 80 is a phenomenal, phenomenal player, right? To me, this is not the first time that we've seen a post guy be as versatile in his game 
compared to, you know, the era that he came up in. He reminds me so much of Kevin Garnett. It's just that he's not as demonstrative on the court as you were just saying earlier, Josh. He reminds me so much of KG because KG was capable of handling the ball. KG had a, a nasty mid-range shot. He could defend the one through five. He could probably play the one through five if they if head coaches back then trusted big men to facilitate the offense, right? Like that's another thing that we need to take into consideration when we look at eras, right? Is are big men all of a sudden just better at passing or have coaches kind of unlocked this scheme where you have to be able to run offense through big men now? Because Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal, Kim Olajuwon, these were all great basketball minds, but they're, you know, their assists aren't going to be up there with the way that guys are now, right? But getting back to Kevin, or excuse me, to Anthony Davis, right? This ring already solidifies him in my eyes as a top 10 power forward of all time, just because of where his numbers project out to be. Like the, the case is there. If he was to lose this finals and, and, and not ever get a ring, but still have the same numbers throughout his career, he's like a Charles Barkley. You know what I mean? Like a guy who dominated his era um, just wasn't able to get over the hill. But now that he's won, he's already up there in my eyes with these, with your Kevin Garnett's and your Dirk Nowitzki's, right? Very versatile offensively, like both of those guys. And he was also just a, a nightmare on the defensive end, like a Kevin Garnett. This ring, short term, there was already questions on whether or not he was top five. This certainly puts him in there for like 90% of anyone who covers the NBA in my eyes. He's up there to me now, so... Coming in the next season, Josh, I like how you said they should boast his confidence. You, you know, you saw the picture of him and LeBron James at the end where, you know, LeBron had his arm around him and he was just kind of looking off to the side, feeling himself. So I want to see more of that. I want to see a guy who maybe puts up 27 to 30 points per game next season as the big man and helps LeBron James extend his longevity in the NBA. Yeah. Yo, I'm, Go ahead. Yeah. I, I want to piggyback real quick before, uh, well, I love the KG comparison. That's who I compared him with when I saw him in Kentucky. But the thing about Anthony Davis compared to KG is, like, people used to argue there said, all right, who's going who's gonna to be the greatest power forward out of these two, Tim Duncan or Kevin Garnett? Then after the whole career went by, it was just kind of like, oh, you know, it's a little silly. Tim Duncan was like, Kevin Garnett was great. Maybe if he was in Tim Duncan's situation, he would play just as well. But, you know, it's like Tim Duncan is like the standard for power forward. I think yeah. that, to me, Anthony Davis is, like, already a more complete basketball player than KG was at his age. Because if you look at it, um, they both, um, in, if you compare the, like, the holistic career of Kevin Garnett, he's made All-NBA first team four times. Right. Uh, Anthony Davis already did that. So they're already tied on that. Anthony Davis, I mean, when you look at some of the stuff, it's like Kevin Garnett, one defensive player of the year. I'm starting, like, I think the media slant, especially, too, because it's a narrative-driven award, and voter fatigue is a thing. I think Giannis is going to have voter fatigue, and I think after seeing what's happening in the finals, I feel like it's either going to be Bam or AD, right? Yeah. So, and you start the only reason I would counter the whole the the first teams and things like that is Tim Duncan came up in the era of the power forward, right? Like mm-hmm. who who is the closest contemporary? There's so yeah. many. Rasheed Wallace, Amari, so like mm-hmm. who is the closest contemporary that Anthony Davis has a power forward in the NBA right now? See, that's the that's the issue. That's though. the issue, right? The so issue there's if you put if you slide him over to that's why we don't even argue. The argument for greatest center currently in the league is was oh, a Jokic and B now Bam this year. You never throw AD in there. 
Because you can't, because AD doesn't play. It goes back to he's a he wing. He says that he's not. He says yeah. that he's not a he's center. He's a wing in a big man's body. That's right. why you can't compare. That's what, It's hard. It's like he, he's in the perfect area for his time, too, because it's like the whole you were saying. Maybe if KG was in this area, he would be better passing because a coach would let him bring the ball up, you know? So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, with Anthony Davis, like, you know, a ring is always going to impact a great player's legacy. For the positive, I don't care, like, what the circumstance is of, you know, whether it's LeBron for the GOAT argument or anybody like that. It's When you win a championship, it's always for the positive. I mean, even look at a guy like Dwight Howard. Like, as great as he was, he got him a ring now. Like, he solidified his greatness in Orlando. He's first like, ballot now. 100%. Like, he was a Hall of Famer. He was first ballot just because I didn't forget about the eight years. What he did them eight, nine years in Orlando was he could have never yes. played another – a minute on the court and that was first ballot hall of famer type stuff so you know he was very dominant he was the most dominant big man you know i guess if you want to after Shaq, he was the most dominant center you know after Shaq. so you know for for dwight howard that means a lot and so for ad it means the same thing the only the only thing with ad is like if he continues his dominance and wins a ring with him being the best player on the team AD has a shot at being that greatest power forward of all time. You know, so I I, I do think I he think has ability, a shot. I think ability, yeah. It's kind of like the whole Jordan-LeBron argument. Yeah. You know, it's like LeBron, you could say, is the most talented, gifted basketball player of all time, right? But when you just go career, it's like, it's just so hard to beat Jordan's story of three double, three, three, two three-peats, even off a break undefeated in the finals. So it kind of goes to like, who would you take? Who would you take if you were building a team, AD or Tim Duncan? It's like, oh, probably AD. But holistically, Tim Duncan had such a great career at such a young age. You know, winning the rookie, oh, win the finals as a rookie with uh, David Robinson. David Robinson, and then doing it again on his own multiple times with. So that, that's what I mean for. I don't know. It's like greatest power forward. Yeah, I think there's a delineation, Josh, what you're saying between greatest and best, you know, mm-hmm. I've heard this argument, you know, it's kind of like what you saw with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Like if you were building a team in the NFL, you would probably want Aaron Rodgers solely for his ability, right? 100%. But, but... Who's, the more, who's the more accomplished, right? So that's the, the, the dividing line is, is, is Anthony Davis going to be the most talented power forward to ever play? Probably, because Tim Duncan wasn't handling the ball like that at all, and he mm-hmm. wasn't shooting threes at all like that, right? So skill set-wise, yeah, Anthony Davis probably will finish, but you're talking about a guy who has five championships, right, with the San Antonio Spurs, mm-hmm. and probably one of the – I can't even call him like the the – the least talented big three to ever win, right? Like, because they're still great players, but, like, who is the next best player next to Tim Duncan? It wasn't a Scottie Pippen. It wasn't a Kyrie Irving. You know what I mean? It was a Manu Ginobili and a Tony Parker. So, for what Tim Duncan achieved, I don't think that Anthony Davis could sniff that. But I think, you know, skill set-wise, obviously, you know, Mo, to what you were saying, he'll probably be that guy. Mm -hmm. Right. So... I hate to cut this short, so I want to get to the last point real quick because I don't have the Zoom Pro, so therefore I only have 40 minutes. Wasn't aware of that oh, before the show. Okay. Yep, they got me. So <laughs> I want to get into one one off-season move 
each of y'all would like to see or you expect to see coming into this NBA offseason? A trade, a free agent signing, or a suggestion for a team of an offseason move that a team should make? So, Steven, I'm going to start with you. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, one, I don't even know if there's one that I would like to see in this free agency is going to be really tough with the, the cap restraints and stuff like that. And the owners actually losing a lot of money, many of them. So a lot of these guys are going to be looking to make cheap moves, but one that I've heard and one that I think would be great just for competitive balance. If, if it even equates to competitive balance would be the Minnesota Timberwolves somehow acquiring Devin Booker to formulate like a low key big three. Uh, it, you know, in the Western Conference between, you know, D'Lo, Cat, and and Book, like, there wouldn't be much defense going on, but it would be fun to watch on the offensive side. So that's one that I think would be kind of interesting to see. 100%. Josh, what is one you would like to see? I would love to see, I'm not sure what the market would be, but if the Clippers can finally get a big, because I feel like that was been their huge flaw on the roster. Um, I'm not sure who exactly it would be, but for example, like how Dallas was able to secure Kristaps. I think right now the landscape is so, so shaky. We don't really understand how the cap's going to increase, if it even does increase, if it stays stagnant or maybe even de decreases with all the money they lost from China, which people will still forget with that whole uh, Daryl Morey incident. Morey. And now with COVID, it's going to be tough. I mean, every player who has a player option would just be absurd not to take it. Right. And, yeah, so then we're, we're not sure what the – but what if, like, Montrezl Harrell left and then they were able to actually get a big, you know? And then that way, too, it's not uh, the double-edged sword of, well, you know, Zubox can defend the bigger guys, but he's too slow when we go small ball. Vice versa, Montrezl Harrell, when we go small ball, is perfect. But, we, you know, when we run into the Denver Nuggets, for example, is a perfect example. We got to put we, – we can't – we got to sacrifice our offensive Montrezl Harrell because we got to put Zubox in. I think if they get a big – then the battle of LA will really, really, really pick up. I think that's when it will really start peaking. And uh, Steve Ballmer's a, a, you know, he's a CEO style uh, owner of a team. He's not like a basketball owner. He treats it like a company. And you saw what he did with yeah. Doc Rivers and everything. So I think he- That's, a, that's another show. Yeah. yeah. I think he's going to make the moves for it. So that's one move I want to see. Or actually Giannis to Miami. That, that's probably my second. I don't want to see that. It, it, <laughs> it jumps up Miami too much. It's too, they're too junked up. In the middle with him, Bam, and Jimmy, they're too chunked up. Giannis, bring know, your talents to South Beach. We'll only get improved. But one I want to see is I well, it's like two because it's with players. It's like I just want to see what Philly's gonna do with Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons. I wonder if they're gonna be on the move or if there's gonna be at least they're gonna scout the market to see what they could get for either one of them. Um, you know, that's gonna be kind of solely up to whether Doc Rivers feel like they could fit. But the, the main package I'm interested in seeing is what Brooklyn is ultimately going to decide to do with Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. Because mm -hmm. I think the, the Nets have mm -hmm. the strongest trade package to add an unhappy star player. Like, I think the Nets, if there's an unhappy <laughs> star, Bradley Beal, uh, Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, um, whoever, like, mm. it's the, the couple names that are out there, like, I think... Paul George, possibly, you know, coming out of the Clippers. I don't know if that's going to happen. But if he's looking to be traded because the, the team is upset with him, I think the Nets have the strongest trade package, which becomes the scary because you ultimately could make a dominant big three. The way you said with D-Lo, D-Book, and Cat is like you could make a big three with Kyrie, KD, and possibly a Bradley Bill or, 
you know, a Paul George or something of that sort. So I do kind of want to see what Brooklyn is ultimately going to do in the offseason with Karis LeVert and Dinwiddie, whether they stay pat on them, continue on with Kyrie KD and crew, or whether they go to get that third star and ultimately um, and they ultimately decide to have a big three in Brooklyn and kind of take over the Eastern Conference. There's so much to talk about with Brooklyn, man. Yeah, it is. It's, it's so much to yeah. speculate, but... You know, unfortunately, uh, the without having Zoom Pro, it cut me short. So, Stephen, I'm going to let you tell everybody where they can listen to you at. We definitely going to get back and talk again in the next week or so. So, so I'll make sure everything's good. But, Stephen, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you at. Yeah, man. And, again, Mo, just appreciate you having me on. And, Josh, it was a, a pleasure to finally get to work with you, mm -hmm. man. Look forward to, you know, trying to trying to link up again, man. But, uh Y'all can follow uh, my podcast called Breaking the Game. You can look it up on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. If you have any problems at all, come hit me up on Twitter at StephenBTG. That BTG is for Breaking the Game. Uh, look up OffTheBallNetwork.com. There's a lot of great stuff. You know, we're going to be putting up more uh, draft profiles here soon. Going to be working on one for uh, James Winston. Uh, looking, looking very much forward to this draft coming up in the, you know, in the next, you know, about a month or so. So uh, keep an eye out for that. But, uh, you know, just check check us out at offballnetwork.com. You can find all of our work there. Yep. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, so, yeah, thank you, Mo. And of course. It was a pleasure working with you. You got some great takes. Yes, uh, sir. Thank, thank you. For, you. Thank you for having me on the platform. Uh, you can follow the Benchwarmers and Burners podcast at the B&B pod. It's the same thing on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, go follow it. Uh, we usually be posting some polls. Also, you can follow my personal Twitter uh, at J-A-W-S-H-L-O-Z-A-N-O. I post a lot about sports betting. I'm from Vegas, so people, uh, listeners don't know that. Usually be posting plays and picks and breakdowns. So if you're into that kind of stuff, uh, I usually do follow it. I also write some articles, but thank you so much, Mel. Of course. And so y'all heard them. Y'all know where to follow me, Up in Flames Pod everywhere. But y'all heard them. Breaking the game, bench warmers and burners. You know, me and Steven, part of the Off the Ball Network. So y'all definitely go check us out. But, you know, on that note, Up in Flames is out. Ah.